the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast, the show where we take your favorite articles on ProWrestlingStories.com. We bring them to life in the form of audio. You can listen to the show wherever you get your podcast. We don't discriminate. And follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Stories and on Twitter. PWS underscore official. I'm Chris Toplack. He's Corey Rivard. What is the worst experience you've ever had on a plane? What a weird opening, but this will really parlay into where we're going with this episode. What does this have to do with wrestling? <laughs> um, I I don't particularly have any crazy plane memories. I'm pretty chill on airplanes, but uh, uh, as you know, I went to the the first AEW taping in Washington D.C. in September. Yes. And uh, I figured at that time that I had the best wrestling related story in my whole family for that week. And I was really excited. And uh, the day after, I get a phone call, an excited phone call from my little brother, who's I think he was in Phoenix at the time. And mm. he, uh, he excitedly calls me and he's standing at the airport gate with Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Angle wow. and AJ Styles and everybody. And they end up getting on the plane with him, and he's freaking out, and he's taking pictures of everybody, and just kind of, kind of from afar from his seat, going to the bathroom back and forth over and over again. Just the entire, the entire staff of the WWE was sharing an airplane with him. Um, uh, but nothing happened on that plane that sounds anything like what happens in this story. Yeah, um, yeah, that seems yeah. pretty mellow for the most part, and it was a, yeah. obviously the general Apparently public was on there too, right? The general public was on there. Everyone was fully clothed. And uh, yeah, but exciting nonetheless. Well, that happens to be the total opposite scenario because you might be wondering how this all ties in. Today, we're going to be reliving the infamous plane ride from hell. And that documents the full chaotic atmosphere on a 747 back from London, England, and it just all goes wrong. Those who are present, of course, will be featured in the story. Editor JP, if you want to follow along, Plane Ride from Hell, the exclusive WWE inside story. And I figured, and it it just so happens that we have a couple nearby, in honor of this alcohol-fueled story, how about let's crack open a beer, a piece, and we... Enjoy a little bit of the bubbly as we go through the plane ride from hell. I happen to have two right here, oddly enough. Wow. Perfect. So what are they? I've got a, uh, what is it called? A uh, crazy train off the rail IPA from Vancouver Island. Ooh. And yourself, Chris is a a beer, craft beer enthusiast. I am. So I'm going to do a cheap plug because it's here, right here in London, Ontario, Canada. It's from Storm State Brewing Company. It's Keats. It's an American lager. Now, what's great about it, they offer such a variety of beers on tap. I know many would be thinking, yes, the stereotypical stouts and IPAs and, you know, the blondes and the sours. But I like this because it's straightforward, very smooth, very drinkable. And we will need that today on the plane ride from hell. So uh, Absolutely. let's crack open right here. Let's do it. Here it is. Oh, okay. What a sound. Let's take a gulp. Cheers. We've never drank before together. No. This is a great first time. Mm, that is nice. Mm. That's really good. What time is it there uh, where you are, Chris? 
3.05, noon 05 over here. <laughs> Off to a good start. At least this wasn't Sunday morning. That would be a little weird. It's like, <laughs> it's 9 a.m., it's 6 a.m. where you fitting. are. Yeah, yeah, this is fitting. And plus, it's uh, I think it's daylight savings time tonight. So it's already 1 p.m., basically. Oh, that's true. That's we fitting. move ahead. Jeez. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder, Corey. Yeah, yeah. So let's get All into right. the chaos here, the plane ride from hell. Okay. Uh, it starts, uh, and again, um, yeah, it, again, this is going to be some colorful language. <laughs> we're quoting, quoting people like Sean Waltman and not Dostoevsky. Uh, so viewer discretion is advised. Yeah. Yeah. Be ready. Be ready. He's not a poet. All right, let's go. In 2002, unbelievable chaos ensued on a fateful flight that has since passed into wrestling folklore. As the plane ride from hell, it was an orgy of excess, violence, and sexual <laughs> misconduct that would ultimately spell the end of at least two notable careers in WWE. On May 5th, 2002, WWE finished its tour of Britain with the taping of the Insurrection pay-per-view in London. Do you remember that one? I, I do. It was a pretty yeah. awful pay-per-view, actually. Yeah? Okay. yeah. I, I thought I might revisit it, but I didn't end up doing it. Mm, it's and not great. Not it's it's pretty okay. skippable. There's a lot of star power on there, but it just doesn't click, in my humble opinion. Okay. okay. I like that you have an encyclopedic flashback right to how bad Insurrection was. Yeah, I just remember watching it at the time and going, that was underwhelming. <laughs> Never something you want to feel, which I often feel with uh, recent WWE pay-per-views. Nonetheless. Um, while that went according to plan, the trip back home certainly did not. We'll go through first-hand accounts detailing this outrageous experience. And again, Sean Waltman-led uh, language coming up here. I I'm going to try and censor it as much as possible. As you know, my background formally, uh, starting off in my career, was in radio. I could never swear. So whenever I bumped into friends or even listeners, and especially I never did this with listeners, but with friends, when I did swear, they're like, What? You actually swear? I'm like, yeah, I'm a product of George Carlin. I mean, that's what I grew up on. So, of course I do. I'm a human being. But we'll start with Just Incredible. Uh, he really details how we got to this mess in the first place. Here's what he had to say. This, of course, is doing uh, during various shoot interviews, if you will. So Vince at the time was chartering flights. We weren't on commercial flights. We'd rent a whole plane. So we had a 747 all ours, meeting not only all wrestlers, but all TV crew. So we had every cameraman, all the girls, the costumes, uh, person who makes those, or the people that make them, tour managers, everybody, a full plane of WWE people. Now, that comes, and I bet Vince has not done it since, with a full and open bar. And what I mean by that is a plane filled with alcoholic wrestlers at the end of a grueling tour. So think about it. It's like the last day of school. Corey, what could possibly go wrong here? A plane full of wrestlers on a grueling tour, partying at the end of it, celebrating with an open bar. I, I mean, you put it that way, I, I can barely blame these guys, in all honesty, <laughs> for, for the ongoings here. I mean, here we are drinking at noon. So yeah, that's true. I can't. I can't blame them too. I mean, I can blame them for some of it, but yeah, that sounds like they deserved a, a good little plane party, you know? Yeah, you would think it would be somewhat innocent too, but of course, it gets out of control in a hurry with Sean Waltman, not surprising. Shocker. Yeah, with all that pent up uh, tour energy ready to be ex expelled, <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens. According to Sean Waltman, 
it was brewing. Everybody had their different little deals they were doing. Some people were doing GHB, gamma mm. hydroxybutyric acid, uh, getting pilled up, whatever, you know. You could buy GHB in the health food store. It was legal, so that was the reason everyone was doing it. But it fucked you up. Sorry, Ma. Uh, <laughs> events started out more or less innocently when Kurt Hennig and Scott Hall got hold of shaving cream canisters and proceeded to run around tagging multiple individuals with the contents. Goofy stuff. Uh, so it it's pretty innocent, first and foremost. Now, <laughs> it's funny that he mentions GHB. Now, I actually knew this. I did a bit of research, but I had heard about it back in the day. Just going through, again, just Wikipedia and saying, like, what is this? I've heard about wrestlers using it. It was actually available as a dietary supplement in the U.S. It was taken off the market in 1990. It was available in Britain. Now, apparently, you can experience calming effect in low doses, but in higher doses. It often causes loss of consciousness in short-term memory, so that's why it has a reputation as a date-rape drug. So not very good in that regard. Okay, so not a, not an excellent dietary supplement. No, no, not at all. I believe, to me, this is my personal main event, mainly because mm-hmm. I, I love both of these individuals. It's Mr. Perfect versus Brock Lesnar tussle on the plane ride from hell. Mr. Perfect was actually a mentor to Brock Lesnar as they were both Minnesota boys. In fact, Brock had the following to say about Kurt in his book, Death Clutch. This was much after Kurt had passed away. I really think about him every day. We could have had so much fun together. I miss him so much because with Kurt, you were never just passing time. You were enjoying every minute of it. Why did he have to go and die? Ugh. That's rough. I, I love the way you put that. Like You're never just passing time. I, I respect that and I appreciate that about him. And everyone says that about him, right? He was a ribber, but he was a great person, and many would claim they never saw him in a bad mood. Right, yeah. That's what I always hear. He always seems to be the voice of reason, but like fun reason. Exactly. Uh, And this this match that we're about to talk about only took place (laughs) in this airplane. So like, way to go, all these people, to have this front row seat for this. No kidding. All right, uh, so it goes, Kurt Hennig and Brock Lesnar were close friends who traveled on the road together. But during the long flight, they got restless, leading to what started out as a friendly amateur wrestling-style takedown tussle after Kurt insisted he was a better grappler than the young Brock. Well, <laughs> By the way, Walton Brock was says, an NCAA yeah. heavyweight champion by this point, so as much as I love Kurt Hennig, he's not going to get yeah. the better of a six foot three, 280-pound wrestling machine. Alcohol's a hell of a drug. Oh, it you is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, by one o'clock, I anticipate I call for Brock. <laughs> You're like, let's do it, Brock. Oh, boy. Yeah, You're going to be yeah. calling out Haku. Yeah. And- oh, yeah. I've got them all. I've got them all. Uh, Waltman says, Kurt Henning was always really competitive, you know? Him and Brock, we all hung out because we all lived in Minnesota. Uh, credible. They were fighting at first. But they're very competitive, so they're just scraping along, scrapping along, like messing around. Then something happened where it got serious. It didn't come to blows, but you know the opening they have on planes? Those openings are the emergency exit rows. Now Brock's a wrestler, shooter, and Kurt's a shooter kind of too, so they took it seriously. Oh, boy. Uh, Now, they didn't want to give in to each other. They went at it so hard. Lesnar shot in and drove Hennig so hard into the side that they almost popped open the emergency exit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, 25, 30,000 feet in the air. People, among them Dave Finley, Triple H, and Paul Heyman, had to separate them. 
Jesus. Uh, Waltman says, yeah. Uh, Waltman says, obviously, WWE management made a big deal out of it. The fucking door. It's impossible for it to open at that altitude, which I, is true. Uh, so it was real stupid, but still scary, obviously. That's still no you kidding. That happening. You want Brock Lesnar rocking on into the side of your airplane. Uh, so it was real stupid. The flight before, Vince and Kurt, uh, Kurt Angle had a takedown tournament in the aisle. But as soon as it happened with Hennig and Lesnar, they made a big deal out of it. Justifiably so. I mean, this could have been a totally different story if it said, by the way, six wrestlers fell out of the plane and died. <laughs> like, <laughs> what would you imagine? It would have oh been horrible. God. Brock Lesnar, Kurt yeah. Henning, Paul Heyman, Dave Finley, Scott Hall, <laughs> Triple H, they perished. Like That would be a horrible yeah. story. So, yes, they should take it seriously, Sean Waltman. The, the day the wrestling died is what that would have been. Ah, yes. Oh, the big bopper and Buddy Holly. Uh, so, by the <laughs> yeah, way... These have, are bigger boppers. Yeah, no kidding. Have you heard the story about Vince and Kurt's takedown tournament at all? They actually talked about it recently, or Kurt did, on Inside the Ropes. It's an interview you can check out on YouTube. He noted that Vince spent the entire flight attempting to take him down. It would not allow Kurt to sleep. So, at one point... Terry Reynolds even lured him to the back, like, hey, you know, I just want to talk to you, you know, like, I want to vent. Okay, sure, I'll listen. And then Vince would just jump out of his seat and try to take him down. <laughs> you know, Vince was asked to calm down by the flight attendants, and he basically told them to F off, and he could simply buy the plane if he wanted to. Oh, God. That's amazing. There, eh? Yeah, he did. He's like, he I, I could buy this plane, damn it. <laughs> uh, my, my brother tried to take down Kurt Angle on the plane, too, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. Oh, boy. Ric Flair faces sexual harassment charges from the plane ride from hell. Now, Waltman had this to say, then Effin Flair comes out in his robe, credible, goes on to say, nothing underneath, that sets the scene. Waltman, Effin <laughs> balls naked, strutting down the aisleway, woo credible, 60-year-old man, junk flying everywhere, Going up to the stewardesses, come on, sweetheart, flashes open robe. Woohoo! Now, Grantland.com reported on the plane ride for Mel. I'm going to butcher these names as an FYI. Two flight <laughs> attendants, Terilyn Capilano and Heidi Doyle, would compile their allegations into a 2004 lawsuit. Chief among the chronicled misdeeds were Flair's sexual aggression he wore nothing but a jeweled cape which by the way is not a cape it's a robe get it right the flight attendant <laughs> said flashed his nakedness spinning his penis around he separately grabbed each woman's hand and placed it on his crotch then forcibly detained and restrained doyle from leaving the back of the galley of the plane while he sexually assaulted her worth noting by the way we weren't there. Flair would later insist that there was no truth to these incidents, though WWE eventually settled out of court with both women. Wow. I mean, even with the allegations, I'm shocked that Ric Flair kept his job here. I mean, that's scary. Yeah, there's a lot to say about that. How do you fire Ric Flair? That's true. That climate at that time, too. But nonetheless, if those if that's true, fire Ric Flair. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot going on there. Um, I know Dustin Rhodes claimed that the flight attendant was naked wearing his robe, wearing wearing Flair's robe. Ah, uh, see, so, so this could have I, been, was, they could have been just trying to make a buck, but we don't know for sure. That's the thing. We, we don't said, know. We can't take sides. We were not there. It's he said, she <laughs> said, literally. Honest. Yeah, I, I'm Absolutely. not picking a side here. I don't want Ric Flair yeah. to lock me to figure four. Rick, I, yeah. hey, listen, I wasn't there. I'll just listen to you. I, I guess you settled. It's all, you know, behind you at this point. 
Best of luck, everybody, including flight attendants and everybody. I hope we're all better people after the plane ride from hell. But I, I mean, for God's sakes, I, helicopter dick Ric Flair. That would have been something <laughs> to see. Yeah. Uh, anyways, okay. So speaking of uh, of Dustin, mm-hmm. here comes the uh, drunken serenade of gold dust, which uh, is charming, kind of, actually. Um all right, so also implicated in the lawsuit was Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, who, according to attendant Tara Lynn Capilano, uh, told her, you, he told her, you and me are going to fuck. Uh, <laughs> so is that like a spoiler star- or a prediction? What is this? I don't- yeah. There's star, there's star, uh, asterisks where the U and C are. Should I be, should I be just saying frick? Or yeah, we are I gonna don't know. Have- you may have jumped just- to conclusions, Corey. Yeah, what are we rating this episode? Well, it's a PG-13 at least. All right. But it wasn't until Rhodes managed to get control of the plane's PA system to start singing in an awkward, slurred serenade to his ex-wife, Terry Runnels, a.k.a. Marlena, who was also on the flight, that the then-president of talent relations, Jim Ross, enforced his authority to shut him down. Shut it down like Gordon Ramsay. Shut this kitchen down! So... Yeah, WWE, by the way, after this, essentially stopped using him on television, and they allowed his contract to expire. As we know, they did eventually bring him back, though. <laughs> Which I, I'm sure he loved. He loved that era of his of his tenure. Well, he had to get clean, and I believe he's been clean ever since. I mean, knock on wood, but I mean, at the same time, yeah. he's been healthy. I I think he's like 49 years old and still performing at a very high level in AEW. So he has recovered, and he obviously learned his lesson. From this point forward, he's probably at the best. It's probably the best part of his career right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very arguable. I mean, as the natural yeah. in WCW, that was probably his biggest push. I would dare yeah. say it did not go according to plan. But now it's very organic. The crowd is behind him vocally. So yeah, he's doing quite well it, for himself. It is organic, and like we're at the legacy chapter of his uh, career, and. He's training and giving back, and especially with that knowledge, you can never be selfish with knowledge. doesn't benefit anybody but yourself. He's giving it back, and that's great. We're going to see that with the younger talent that will pick up a lot from him. And the the emotion that he emits now, you know, which he never really had that much opportunity to do. And he actually never, in interviews, he doesn't really come across as someone who would convey that, but it seems like he's accessing a different uh, part of himself these days. So, yeah, exciting times. Now, how about Scott uh, Hall losing consciousness on the plane ride from hell? We've heard much about this. Just about Incredible that. had to say <laughs> the following. You had Scott Hall, too, out of his mind, completely out of his mind, shimming and shimmering and shaking. It's said that he slipped in and out of consciousness. And while many claim that Scott Hall was involved in the shenanigans, Jim Ross actually noted that he wasn't part of any major incidents. Now, sadly, it wasn't enough to save his job as he was one of the casualties that we heard about earlier to receive his pink slip. At this point, it would appear that Scott's only involvement was related to the shaving cream antics. But apparently, he also received allegations of harassment as one of the attendants claims. Hall slobbered all over her and made some very inappropriate remarks, which I'm not going to repeat prior to passing out. Credible had the following to say again. I had to babysit Scott. I had to stay straight because everyone else was so effed up. Later, when we got off the flight, I had to get a wheelchair, roll him through customs at JFK. He was non-responsive. I remember Jim Ross sitting in baggage claim with his briefcase just going like this. And basically, he's like shaking his head going, ugh, that look of disgust. And I'm like, 
shrugs. Now, Scott Hall later reflected on this by simply stating the whole trip was just kind of a blur of pills and booze. Much like this podcast, hey? I think so. I I mean, speak for yourself. I I was taking a sip of beer there, and I was thinking, what kind of pills have you taken? Oh, I thought we had different plans here. I thought GHB was the plan. No? I don't think so, Corey. I think that got lost in translation. Okay, okay. We don't advocate for that. Uh, apparently, Scott Hall, uh, he claims he thought Kurt, Kurt Angle H-bombed him. Uh, really? He was drugged. Yeah, that's what, that's what he, he still claims to this day because he doesn't remember any of it. And he said he used to drink all the time, and this was a weird one for him. So. Uh, that, does, that does not seem like something Kurt Angle would do. That's out of character. Yeah. I want to get Scott Hall effed up. I'm going to H-bomb him. Scott yeah, Hall, that goes against the three eyes. That would not be Kurt Angle. He may (laughs) suck, but he would never do that. There's no integrity in that. Um, The main event. Funnily enough, funnily enough, I saw I saw uh, Jerry Lawler claims that Jr. was actually the first one uh, to get hammered on this plane. Really, he's he's zipping by, uh, using his authority, but also he was the first one to hit that open bar. Gotcha. Now, sounds likely. Yeah, it does. Now he loves to sip on the old Moscow Mule, and he loves it with pear vodka, so I've heard. Okay, sure. We'll have one of those next time. Yeah, we'll bring him on the podcast, and we'll share some of that together. How about that? Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. The Michael Hayes part. Oh, boy. Michael Hayes loses his mullet. All right. So according to Just Incredible, Michael Hayes was getting real bad, and he's got a lot of heat anyway. Nobody likes him. He was drunk, rowdy as fuck, like being a dick, loud and obnoxious. Hmm. I heard a lot uh, about Walt, that Waltman. at the time, not to interrupt, but Michael Hayes was no, no. really, uh, there was a lot of reports that he was not very well liked backstage. So this is pretty consistent with what they're saying. That's so odd. He seems so likable, but apparently hit, hit the booze real hard. I think he got kicked out of Triple H's wedding. Oh, yeah. Because he, I think he hijacked the karaoke and yeah. Yeah, yeah, all that. Weird. Anyways, well, sounds like they got retribution on him here. According to Waltman, he's almost pissed on Linda McMahon. Whoa. He was all all fucked up trying to whip his dick out. A lot of that going on in this airplane. (laughs) Uh, Stooped over, tugging at his trouser zip. He doesn't know it's Linda. He thinks it's at the fucking... He's at the fucking bathroom. Oh, come He's on. Like, that, that seems so <laughs> unrealistic. Let me ask you an honest question, Corey. Have you ever been so drunk yeah. that you actually mistaken a person for like a urinal or a toilet? There's no possible way. As far as I know, I've never peed on my boss ever. <laughs> you? No. I mean, she's no. a cr- congresswoman now. This is not a <laughs> good. This is not a good look on you, Michael P.S. Hayes, no. Mr. Freebird. Not a good look. Uh, I did actually hear that this was actually on a different flight is where, where this, this actually takes place. Ah, well, so Waltman, misremembering, Waltman's revisionist history. history. But alas, peeing on your boss did happen on one, one <laughs> WWE flight. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Waltman says, uh, Hayes is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He just keeps saying, wait a minute, over and over again. <laughs> Finally, somebody led him away from peeing on his boss. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, just incredible. JBL had just had a killer match earlier at the Insurrection pay-per-view and was cut open bad. Mm. Waltman says, I had a match with Bradshaw for the pay-per-view in England, and he got some color. So he had this big old fucking gash on his head. Uh, Credible says, so he's sitting there sleeping, bandaged up, getting some Zs, 
And Michael Hayes comes up shouting, hey, you fucking redneck, and pops him right in the forehead. Why would he do that? I mean, oh, JBL yeah. is legitimately 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's a big boy. You're really going <laughs> to yeah. poke the bear, huh? And as we read on, I'm just, this is... It's baffling. It does, does seem pretty unlikable. Yeah, this is irritating as hell. Um, <clears throat> Waltman, you know the Freebirds thing where they always go protruded knuckle tap? Yeah. He was like, boom! Uh, Credible says, and he opens his gash. So now Bradshaw's in a suit, nice clothes, busted wide open, bleeding like a pig over his suit. Well, <laughs> Waltman says, uh, and the story goes that Bradshaw fucking clocked him and knocked him out. You know, yes. here he is on the offense, but he's also been on the defense as well, too. And with Joey Styles, I'm pretty sure he either slapped That's... him or punched him, and then he just kind of cowered away. And yeah, of course you would with Joey Styles. He's not exactly a physical specimen that's intimidating. So if he yeah. stands up and says, enough of this, and slaps you, and oh my God, then yeah, you probably back <laughs> off. You're probably a little shocked. Yeah, you're probably that's... thinking, I didn't know you had that in you, Joey. You're promoted. People just messing with Bradshaw. Brave, mm. brave souls on airplanes. What do you do? Apparently. Uh, Justin Credible says he wanted to go after Hayes, but JBL's a wrestler in Michael Hayes' office. He's like, your boss. What are you going to do? Kick your boss's ass? Sure. Uh, but obviously Hayes, <laughs> or pee on them. Uh, but obviously Hayes is way out of line. He continues his bullshit, but then he falls asleep. Oh, boy. And this sets the stage for the big one. <laughs> the retribution. Mm. Waltman says, uh, so Hayes is out cold, and he's got that fucking thing in a fucking ponytail, <laughs> that mullet. Dude, dude, dude. You know, he was, <laughs> he was still rocking the mullet. And I said, uh, somebody get me a pair of scissors. Which, of course, Lawler. naturally you have on a plane, right? Just <clears throat> yeah, a pair of scissors sitting nearby, right? Different different time, I guess, eh? Jeez, I was going to say, um, that's not going to go well with customs. These are my scissors. Yeah. I'm going to trim my beard and my hair on the plane. Is that perfectly yeah. normal? Okay, no problem. There's a lot of mullets on this plane. Someone uh, might need a haircut. Yeah. Um. So he says, somebody get me a pair of scissors. I remember Lawler over there just giggling. Everybody is like, no, 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 you're not going to do it. And Lawler actually says this, that he was he was the first one just laughing his face off. At, of course. About all this. Yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. would be laughing too, thinking this is yeah. just so ridiculous. It's a little bit embarrassing, obviously. I mean, I, I, I used to have hair down to past my shoulders. And really? if, someone, if, someone, if someone cut my hair off, this is that's like that's like a family member dying. So this is big. This is big. Boy, yeah. Um, mom, mom, yeah. this is on par with you at a funeral. <laughs> I don't, not that, like a distant cousin. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say, let's define what yeah. this is. If this is like your yeah, immediate yeah. family, I'd say, Corey, we have to have a chat off air. Yeah, yeah. Twice twice removed for sure. But still. Um, so Waltman says he grabbed those scissors like I was pulling a pair of taped brass knacks out of my tights. Uh, in brackets, over-exaggerated over reach down the front of his jeans, and everybody's looking, and they don't think I'm going to do it. I grabbed that fucking tail, and I lifted it up, and I just went whack, chopped it off, and the whole plane erupted, just like, yeah! Now we see everyone's waiting for this retribution, so Hayes would not realize until he was later going through customs. I, I love the, paint, uh, the, the picture that he paints, that everybody stands up and collectively at the same time says, yeah! I highly doubt yeah. that happened. I really do. But every every story I've I've heard from every every corner has been that everyone's backing him up though. Like oh, of they course. Were about this. Yeah, they were happy yeah. about it because at the same time it was retribution. It was a long time coming. 
Michael yeah. d- deserved it in some cases. Obviously, from what we've heard about, yeah, I think it is deservedly yeah. so. I mean, the, the peeing on the boss. The peeing on the boss. Took is, it too uh, far, Michael. I, yeah, he, he took a few things too far. All right. Just Incredible says, I've never seen anyone who is so drunk and pilled up look at himself as we're going through security and saw the mirror's reflection. It was like something out of a movie. Oh. He went... He went sleepily, raises a hand to fluff up hair at the back, only to find nothing. Uh, he popped out like stone cold sober. Motherfucker. This is going through customs. Now, Michael Hayes is a fucking red. Wants to fight people in customs. You're talking U.S. agents. That's not going to go so and, well. That won't bode well for him at all. Yeah, what poor timing to realize your distant cousin died. Nobody snitches on him because nobody liked Hayes. And what became of Hayes' severed ponytail on the plane ride from hell? Sean Waltman posted it on the wall at TV the next day. Oh, wow. What an accomplishment. A little trophy, yeah. What would happen with Michael Hayes at that point? I I guess you have to get used to the short hair. Yeah, I kind of remember a short hair Michael Hayes era. Doc Hendricks, yeah. Doc Hendricks, yeah. I guess he (laughs) rocked it, which was, Doc Hendricks would have been before this, I think. It was so So bad because he tried to purposely eliminate his like, because he had a bit of a southern accent, right? And when he was there, he's like, "Hi, it's right. Doc Hendricks here, and we're going to be right. talking to Stone Cold Steve Austin coming up next." Well, one day we're going to have to get into why that happened. Because I, what, what? Why do you why make do you... a Freebird corporate? How can you possibly do that? <laughs> exactly, the guy's a free bird, and why? Why? Why distance yourself from being that guy? I don't know. Very confusing. One of the well, greatest stables of all time. He's charismatic. Yeah. He was a great wrestler. I mean, he's a trailblazer. Regardless of him as a human being, when he's pilled up and drunk, he was incredible <laughs> in the ring. So yeah. it's just bizarre that they put him, yeah. they relegated him to that uh, that role like the Todd Pettengill. Yeah, yeah. And I think they went hand in hand, right? That was the same era, Todd Pettengill and Doc Hendricks. Yeah, because many tend to forget, even though he was there, he was the one holding the microphone interviewing Stone Cold during the infamous right. 316, King of the Ring. That's right. That's right. Wow. And also one of the many reasons why I love Jim Ross, he just doesn't give a damn. That's really it. But it's the fact that he's so transparent. Following the plane ride from hell, he essentially buried all of the instigators, and most of the roster for that matter, in a blog on WWE.com. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it was called the Ross Report. They probably yanked it down by now. But basically he had this yeah. to say amongst many other items from it. The plane ride from hell flight was about seven hours in length and at times was low-lighted by a handful of people who consumed too much alcohol and consequently acted like children whose parents were away and left the liquor cabinet unlocked. The conduct of this minority was unacceptable. It will not be tolerated. Procedures have been put in place to ensure such conduct does not occur in the future, which means no more open bar, essentially. That is punishment. Did, did Jim Ross invent the concept of shade? That was that was just shade, throwing shade on the website. I, I love that, too, that he's just on there. He gets back and just thinks, well, I'm just going to blog about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he held his alcohol. He didn't do anything bad. No, but you know what, though? I mean, Jim Ross <laughs> has always been that way. He's given interviews where he used to state even during XFL games. He'd sip on Crown Royal and Jack Daniels and anything like that, and he'd have – some shots and some drinks before he went on air. He held himself well. He was a professional. (laughs) That's amazing. And, of course, the aftermath and the reflections, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So, as we know, 
Dustin Rhodes parted ways with WWE in late 2003. So he was not formally released. They just chose not to renew his contract. And I think a lot of it stems from the plane ride from hell. Now, Mr. Perfect was released. He briefly worked in TNA, and sadly, he died in February of 2003. He really took the fall for the tussle with Brock, who was, at that point, the next big thing. Uh, Mr. Perfect, one of my all-time favorites. So it was sad to see him released. He was in TNA, and then as we know, just I think he fell into a bout of depression and passed away. Right. Right. Horrible. And we'll cover him at length in a later podcast because he is one of the greatest of all time, in my humble opinion. Shared opinion, my friend. Awesome. And, of course, Scott Hall was (laughs) released, and he also worked with TNA as well, too. Now, uh, Hall's reaction was very different probably from Kerr Hennings thinking, damn, I really screwed up. Scott Hall... He got a call from Jim Ross that he was being let go, and he said, I was so unhappy. I said, cool, effective immediately? Well, if that's what you want, well, you're the one calling me. It wasn't fun, so the money starts to mean less, and it's like I can be miserable at home. I don't need to be on the road and be miserable. That's the way it ended. So, Corey, if you were in Jim Ross's shoes, who do you think you would have let go or suspended from the plane ride from hell? Do you think everybody was justified there? I don't know about everybody. Well, uh, to me, uh, what we didn't actually mention here is uh, Dustin Rhodes spitting tobacco all over the place. And for some reason, that irks me to the point of suspend that. Oh, that's disgusting. That's gross. Yeah. Like just being nasty. That to me just strikes me as, okay, you're just purposely just... Disrespectful as well, too. Nobody does that on a plane. But you also have to wonder, though, too... And I'm not going to speak ill of anybody on the plane, but some of the veterans, why did they not get involved? You would think that you would go over to Dustin and think, stop it right now or I'm going to have to beat you up. And this is not going to bode well for you. Like You're thinking if you're Taker or Triple H or any of those guys or Kurt Angle, that you're thinking, listen, buddy, comment or it's going to cost you your job. Yeah, plus Terry Runnels and them, I guess I had just gotten a... A separation or a yeah. divorce right at that time and now she's being serenaded over the thing and obviously put in this awkward spot where she's has this horrible light on her and uh and there's that and then the michael hayes pu- punching someone is just that's it that, that's just that's assault at that point i know the wrestlers but you're assaulting someone on an airplane and you, you, know? you know what you're right i'm glad you bring him up i never read anything about him receiving a suspension a dock and pay anything like that and again we're only privy to so much information, pay, right? Yeah, I, yeah, pun intended. But we're, <laughs> we, we are not privy to that information. So for all that we know, it could have transpired. In good faith, I will believe something transpired. But at the same time, yeah. why did nothing happen to him? If he walks up and you know does that knuckle tap or that punch to JBL right in the face, he deserves some retribution as well, too. And I'm, not, I'm talking beyond that mullet cut. He should receive some sort of fine, at least at of that course, point. He, he seemed like he'd be the easier one. He's not on-screen talent. so Of course. <laughs> no one would have noticed. Because we've you seen know, Paul have... Heyman and other people get suspended for far less than that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And of course, if Ric Flair did that full <laughs> tilt, then, you know, Woo. something should have happened to him as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. How about you? What do you think? I don't. Well, first of all, I don't ever want that image in my mind again of him in a yeah. robe. By the way, it's not a cape, it's a robe. They should know the difference between that. 
uh, spinning his penis around like a helicopter. Work, I never want to think of that again. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, please, I'm going to need a couple of drinks later to eliminate that <laughs> from my memory. We uh, can rename the podcast the helicopter. <laughs> It's not going to be available on any podcast platforms. <laughs> like Spotify is like, we want nothing to do with you. iTunes says, get the hell out of here. Uh, for me, I tend to agree with you. Dustin Rhodes, I would have not renewed his contract just based on the fact that he needed to get straight. Scott Hall, kick him away. Uh, at that point, too, he's a pretty miserable prick, right? Uh, Kurt Henning, yeah. I would have not fired. I would have taken pity on him. I mean, I know that that was a horrible incident, but I would have rather fined him for that. That that is an odd out of all of them to get rid of. After that, that's an odd one to take the take the fall for the whole airplane. Really, ah, and the shittiest part too is that Mister Perfect Kurt Henning would have been the perfect coach, pun intended, at the Performance Center for NXT. Of course, absolutely. Oh man, man. he had everything. Great final chapter for him. Too. I know that's the one that irks me is that you see so many great talent teaching in NXT or coming in on a monthly basis. That guy was the total package. He would have been fantastic down there. And no offense to Lex Luger, but this was the true total package. <laughs> offense to Lex Luger. Yes, Lex total Lex offense Luger. to Lex Luger. You are not the total All package. All the offense. <laughs> All of it. So uh, how do you feel yeah. about this? I mean, at the end, I mean, you've, you're have one beer through, two beers through. What? What? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, part of me wishes I was there. That's <laughs> I do. Imagine yeah. if this was a day. Let's just paint this picture. Imagine if this was a day where we had iPhones. Yeah. They would have just all whipped exactly. them out and said, oh, boy, this is going on my Instagram. This is going to be juicy content. <laughs> the, the amount of yeah, story yeah. views I'm going to get on this, insurmountable. <laughs> yeah, that is viral AF for sure. Oh, yeah, it be. I, it's, it's, I'm sure they're, they all... I'm sure some people took some took the blame for having an open bar airplane shut down forever. I'm sure they got treated poorly after that for a while. I'm disappointed like, though you... too. I've been to weddings where they don't have open bars and they have one on a plane. Come on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so this concludes another episode of the Pro Wrestling Stories podcast. I hope that you had a beer along with us. And I also sincerely hope that you tune in to future episodes, if we're not canceled by iTunes, Spotify, and you name it, to <laughs> as we dive deep into the archives to bring you more of these articles to life in audio form. Listen and subscribe wherever podcasts are still available. And follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Stories and on Twitter, PWS underscore official. From Chris Toplack and Corey Brevard, happy trails to you until we meet again. And as usual, just one last shout out to uh, Helicopter Dink the Clown. <laughs> Love you, Dink. You just had to do it. Yeah.